Good morning. It is uh, great to be together uh, this morning. Welcome, uh, if you're new here particularly, welcome to you. Uh, we're in the third week of our airplane mode series. Uh, last week will be, uh, next week will be the last week. Uh, and uh, we want to encourage uh, you as a body to continue to join us for pre-service prayer uh, during this series, uh, which, will, uh, which happens at 9.15 in the morning before service. Uh, so just to recap really quickly, uh, we are in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, like Colton said, and uh, even if you haven't jumped in yet, we, it's never too late. Uh, there's nothing holy about it, the number 21 days. Uh, even if you do it one day, we would just encourage you to join us uh, for a day as we uh, seek the Lord individually, but also corporately uh, as, as he leads us uh, forward into 2018. In week one, we talked about how God desires to speak to every single one of us, and that we have, every single one of us has the ability to hear God's voice, uh, and it's a matter of learning to hear his voice, tuning into that voice. And week two, we talked about uh, how we can struggle to hear that voice because there's so many other voices that are going on uh, in our lives, uh, and we talked about God's voice, but also the voice of the world, the voice of our flesh, and the voice of a very real enemy, uh, the devil or Satan, and these voices are competing for our attention. And so we have to learn how to hear the still, small voice of God in our lives um, to develop our relationship with Him, to walk in intimacy with Him, and uh, to be led by Him. We looked at the three-legged stool last week when, it's, when we think about discerning the voice of God and how God's voice uh, lines up with His written word, and how God's voice um, is refined often in community because we're the body of Christ. It's the image that Scripture gives for the church community. And so as we're listening to his voice, we actually hear God's voice more clearly in the context of community and by, uh, through his Holy Spirit uh, who speaks to us. But it's not enough to just to have those different filters as we listen to God's voice. The seat in that stool represented abiding. And so the invitation is to abide in the Word of God. Are we abiding in his Word? Is his Word filling our hearts and our minds so that when we have thoughts or impressions that we can quickly filter out uh, what God's voice is like? Are we abiding in community? Are we investing? Are we continuing to press in even when it's uh, messy? Because community is messy because we're imperfect, sinful people and we hurt one another. But it's actually in the process of continuing to commit to one another that God refines us and continues to speak to us. And are we abiding with the Holy Spirit? Are we aware of his presence in our lives uh, day by day, second by second, uh, and that he's desiring to uh, commune with us, be in relationship with us. Proverbs 27 says, as, one, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And last week, um, I had that stool, and I mentioned that I had bought it with the intent of returning it. Uh, and I, to, to be honest, honest confession, I, it didn't even cross my mind that this was ethically... Um, a little sideways, and I was surprised by some of the gasps in the audience. And then I was walking out with the stool. I, was, so I had a couple of people say, I can't believe that you would buy that with the intention of not, uh, of not keeping it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I got to home group, and my home group, I had a couple of people in my home group say, yeah, that just that blew my mind that you actually said that. I uh, never mind thought that. And, uh, and so very real time, just being refined by community. And, uh, you know, obviously don't have the ethical standards that some of you have. And, and so I'm pleased to report that uh, this, 
I kept the stool. I, uh, <clears throat> it's holding a plant in my front entrance now uh, by my guitar. And, uh, and now when I look at that, I can be reminded that, that the community sharpens me. And uh, it's important as I discern uh, God's voice and how to, to walk in an upright way before him that it's okay to be corrected and refined by community. So I thank you uh, to those of you who had the courage to challenge me on that. Uh, anyways, um, I, have a, I have a plant in my office, uh, and I renovated, or I did some rentals in my office a, a couple of years ago, and had this nice uh, kind of coffee table uh, that a friend had built for me, and I bought a plant to put it in the middle of this coffee table. It's an amazing plant. It never turned brown. Uh, it was always green. I never had to water it. And every day I would come to the office and it would just be this healthy, thriving plant. A couple of months ago, uh, my executive assistant, uh, Fran Brown, retired. <laughs> Co coinciding with Fran's retirement, I noticed that my plant started to turn brown. And I talked to Fran about this. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to water that now. I was, I was like, I had a little elf that was coming into my office when I wasn't there watering my plant for me. And I, I had no idea. I just thought it was like the super plant. Uh, but now I know otherwise that I actually have to water this plant. And so when we think about the purpose of abiding, remaining, there are some things that people cannot do for you. Your friends can't do for you. Your home group can't do for you. Your family can't do for you. Nobody can attend to your relationship with God but you. There's no such thing as secondhand relationship, secondhand faith when it comes to our relationship with God. And my prayer is that as we journey through this series that we are taking more and more responsibility individually for our relationship with Christ. We come to church on a weekend, but I can't do that relationship for you. You might go to home group, but your home group can't do that relationship for you. At some point, every single one of us has to choose to take responsibility for a relationship with Christ. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that, uh, that doesn't produce fruit. And he, what does it say? Prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So I just want to make one comment before I get to my main point here in John 15 is uh, sometimes people read this and they think um, you can ask for anything you want and God will give it to you if you remain in him. Uh, but last week we talked about the word rhema and that the word rhema is God's 
uh, word to you, his specific individual word to a specific person at a specific time for a specific purpose. If you remain in God's rhema, in, his, in that intimate personal relationship, then he can ask for anything and it'll be given to you. Why? Because you are actually hearing what the will and the desire of God is. Right? So it's not a matter of God being a genie doing anything you want. It's actually a matter of our desires and our will being formed into God's likeness, being aligned with his will and his desire. We do not pursue prayer primarily to get God to do what we want. We actually pursue prayer to be shaped and formed by prayer, to be shaped and formed by the Spirit of God. Now, I want to focus on the word uh, that you read with me, pruning. Often we try to abide, but we don't partner with God in the painful but necessary life-giving activity of pruning. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. That's what the Word says. And sometimes we are content just to abide, to try and spend time with God, to read His Word, to remain in community, but we run from pruning. We run from correction. We run from being challenged. There was a, uh, a doctor named Alfred Tomatis, and uh, he was a head doctor, ear doctor, and more than half a century ago, ago, there was a renowned opera singer that came to him because the opera singer had lost his ability to sing certain notes in his vocal range. And so this opera singer had gone to many other specialists, but none of them could help him because they were trying to, they, they assumed that the issue that needed to be addressed was a vocal range issue. But Tomatis had this theory and this idea. And the basic idea behind what he thought was the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. And through studies, they realized that opera singers, because they, they can sing up to 140 decibels, which is louder than a, a jet plane uh, taking off, opera singers damage their own ears while they're singing. And over time, as their ears get damaged, they, they lose the ability to hear certain notes and frequencies. And because they stop being able to hear those notes, they actually struggle to sing those notes. Uh, I got a volunteer that's going to help me uh, at this point in the sermon. I'm going to invite uh, Randall, Pastor Randall up here. You guys can give Randall a hand. And uh, Randall's going to sing us a song. I don't know what song he's going to sing. Am I choosing a song? You, you're going to sing your own song. Okay. You can sing like one of the songs you sang this morning. You could sing Happy Birthday to Larry. Uh, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can sing whatever you want. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Let's do Happy Birthday. All right. <laughs> happy Birthday to you. Happy Birthday to you. Happy, why, bad key. <laughs> birthday, dear Larry. Happy birthday to you. Perfect. Nicely done. Nicely done. Okay, so what we're going to do at this point is I got Randall's iPod here, uh, and, uh, and we're going to play a song, and I'm going to turn up really loud. Okay? And I want you to sing, I want you to sing what you just sang. For us, let's make, don't cheat. Let's make sure you got the, turn it up. 
Oh, those are super quiet. Well, just wait, just wait. Okay, there we go. Loud enough? Now you want me to sing happy birthday? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Now I can hear myself. <laughs> happy birthday, dear Larry. Happy birthday to you. Ah, you did pretty good. You did pretty good. Let's give him a hand. How Wait, bad was it? it? It was actually way better than I th than anticipated. You did, you did better. Was that more difficult the, the second time you sang it? When the song got really, really loud and I could hear more of the song, yeah. then it was more difficult. Yeah, okay. Okay, that didn't work out quite the way I wanted. Uh, I shouldn't have got such an all-star singer. You want your phone? I tried it, and I, I couldn't do it, so you're, uh, you're better than I. Uh, so, but the basic idea that I was supposed to explain was that our hearing impacts our ability to sing. Our, our hearing, if we can't hear the note, we actually can't sing the note. If we can't hear God's voice, we can't sing the song that God wants us to live with our lives. Learning to, dis to discern the still, small voice of God, learning to hear God's voice actually enables us to live the life, if you want to use the analogy, to sing the song that God is inviting us to sing. Yes, I believe that every person can hear from the voice of God. Yes, I believe that there are other voices that are competing for our attention like we talked about last week. But I also believe that we can cause damage to our own ears that impede on our ability to hear God's voice and walk in intimacy with the Lord. Now, let's be clear. God is never blocked. But we can plug our own ears, and, make, and that makes it difficult to hear the still, small voice, the whisper of God. And there's a reason why God speaks to us in a whisper. What happens when someone is whispering to you and you can't hear it? What do you do? You lean in. You move closer. And the nature of God is that he cares more about his relationship with you than he does about you just hearing his words. And so he whispers to you. And as, as we listen for the whisper of God, we actually lean closer and closer and closer into God to be formed by him. In Luke chapter 3, I was, uh, I was journaling on this a, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and just felt... Uh, just felt the challenge of the Lord for us as a community in the season, for me as an individual in the season. Um, and in Luke chapter 3, it says this, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Euteria, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of El Abilene. I think I got that kind of right. Uh, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. So I'm going to pause there for a second. In verse 1 and 2, we have Tiberius Caesar. We have, uh, he's the emperor of Rome, Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea an imperial official responsible for the army, for taxes, and for the judicious system. We have Annas and Caiaphas, who were kind of the leaders of the religious establishment, the high, of the high, the high priesthood for the Jewish people. 
We have the Tetrarch, which are like governing people over certain parts of Rome. Herod, Philip, Trachonitis, Lysanias. The Jewish people believed that God, up until this point in in Luke chapter 3, had been silent for 400 years. You can go into your Old Testament, you have the book of Malachi, and then you have the New Testament, and that time span in between those two covenants, those two periods of time, was 400 years, and the Jews felt like God was silent for 400 years. And it's fascinating that the word of God did not come to those in political, economic, or religious powers. The word of God came to a homeless guy after 400 years, a homeless guy in the wilderness. The word of God came to John. We talked in previous weeks about how Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament, God told him to go to the mouth of the cave that he was staying in and hear the voice of the God and voice of God. And there was fire and there was a storm and there was all, all this noise, but God's voice came in a gentle whisper. And ironically, John is referred to as Elijah. He's referred to this person that is going to come prepare the way of the Lord, this person uh, that is going to be able to hear the word of the Lord. And what was the word of God to John? What was the message that John came preaching? It says, he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It continues, a voice, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. This is a word from the Old Testament that uh, the prophet Isaiah spoke, and John refers back to this in the saying that there's a voice, that I'm this voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountains and hills made low. You know, I picture this. I just, I just picture Stony Trail. If you think of like west of the city, right, all this excavation that's happening, right? They're, they're moving dirt. There's places they got to fill in with dirt, right? And then there's places that probably have too much dirt and too much land that they're, they're bringing down and they're making flat this land so that cars will eventually, hopefully, Hopefully, right? Give me an amen. Hopefully, be able to drive around the whole city on Stony Trail. This excavation is the type of excavation I believe that God wants to do in our hearts. This is the type of excavation that John is inviting us to. to Every mountain would be made low. Every valley filled in to make a highway for our God to come. Now, why does God need a highway to come? Isn't he God? He doesn't need a highway. The reality is that God doesn't need a highway, but we do. That we have valleys and mountains. We have things that are obstructing our ability to connect with God. And John says, before Jesus comes, before the kingdom of God comes, in all of its power, we must take the mountains and make them low, take the valleys and fill them up and make a highway for our God to come in so we're ready to receive him. Making a highway for God, not because God needs a highway, but because we do. 
You see, God's a gentleman. He doesn't go anywhere where he's not wanted. He's also a jealous God. He's not willing to share the throne of your heart or my heart with another. In fact, this morning, before uh, church, I was doing my daily devotions, and I was reading Psalm 10, and in Psalm 10 it says, verse 4, it says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. See, God doesn't share a room with pride. That's what it says in Psalm 10. Before Jesus came, before the kingdom would invade this world in the first century, God sent John the Baptist calling people to do an excavation of their hearts so that they could be prepared for what God wanted to do in them and through them in their time. Later, in Luke 7, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, and he says this, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And then it, there's some commentary there. It says all the people, even the tax collectors, who were, who were kind of outsiders, who were traitors, uh, they were Israelites who decided to align themselves with Rome and to oppress their own people. So all the people, even tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. What was John's baptism? It was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of taking the mountains, making them low, filling the valleys, and creating a highway in our hearts for God. And he says that, the commentary here in Luke says that the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purposes because they weren't willing to participate in a baptism of repentance. In Luke 5, Jesus says, it is not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So was Jesus saying that there are some who are healthy and don't need a doctor? Some that were righteous and don't need a savior? Well, if you've read the Bible, you know that that's not true. And and Paul articulates in his letter to the Romans that all men, all people, have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard in their lives. And so what Jesus is saying is not that there's some that are sick that need a doctor. It's just that there's some that don't realize they're sick. There's some that don't realize their need for a doctor. There's some that don't realize that they're living out of sync with God's plan for their lives. But I've come for those who recognize their own sickness. I've come for those who recognize their own need for a Savior. I've come for those who know they need forgiveness. For those who know they need grace. And this morning as we gather, I guess one of my questions is, are we people who recognize our own sickness, who recognize our own need, who recognize that there's mountains and valleys in our own hearts that we actually need to flatten in order to create a highway for God's presence to be fully activated in our lives. So when we talk about damaging our own ears, I believe that there's sin in our lives. There's things that we do outside of God's will for us that actually damage our own ears, that damage our capacity to hear God's song for our lives. In Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And we know this in our human relationships. When there's sin in your life, 
You know, whether that's you and your best friend, you and your spouse, you and your kids, when there's sin in your life, even if it's not even sin between you and them, that sin actually affects your relationship with the other person. When I have sin in my life, it affects my relationship with my kids and my wife. And we know this is true in our human relationships, and the same is true with our relationship with God. When we allow things outside of God's desire and will to take the throne in our own hearts, it actually impacts our relationship with God. It impedes on our ability to hear God's voice and walk in intimacy with him. So I believe that that's one of the areas that our hearing gets damaged. I want to highlight a second related area. In Matthew 22, 36 to 39, it says, uh, there's someone who asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We know this as the, the greatest commandment or the greatest two commandments. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with everything. Give him the throne in your heart. But the first or the second is like the first one. And even that in the Greek word like it right there, it's, it's saying that these things are connected. It's not even like... This one's similar. It's like, no, these things are actually related and intertwined, connected to each other. That as you love God with your whole heart, you will love man. They go hand in hand. There are some of you this morning who are longing for intimacy with Jesus. You're wanting to feel close to him. You're, but you're hanging on to hurt from other individuals, to unforgiveness that's creating bitterness towards others, and it's actually robbing your relationship with God. It's actually affecting your ability to hear him and to walk intimately with him. Again, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 14. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I've spoken on this passage a number of times. That the unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. And I believe this morning that God actually wants to challenge us in repenting of sin and also in unforgiveness. Because both of these things are affecting mine and your ability to walk with the Lord in the way that he wants. And I believe they're very related. And as I've taught before, forgiveness is not something that you can muster up it's not something that you can just try harder to do. Some of, you have, some of you know this. You've been hurt by people, by the actions of people, or by the inaction of people. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed, and that's grown into bitterness. And no matter how much you focus on trying to forgive them, you can't. And that's because forgiveness is a supernatural act. And so the only way we actually can walk in that supernatural forgiveness is to recognize our need for a God who's supernatural to forgive us. Do you see how these are connected? They do a dance together. And so when we recognize things in our life that are out of sync with God's song for us, God gives us his forgiveness and gives us the capacity actually to give forgiveness away. We receive forgiveness from God, we give it away to other people. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then we're able to love our neighbor as ourselves. But if we, if we can't ever get to this place of repentance and confession, receiving God's forgiveness for the areas that we've kind of stepped out, 
then we will always struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness towards others. Because we always think, we always buy into this lie that, well, I'm not as sick as that person. I'm not as bad as that person. Yeah, I know that I need forgiveness from God, but that person really needs forgiveness from God. The people that thought like that in the day of Jesus were the people that missed out on the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I didn't come for those who are healthy. I came for those who are sick. I came for those who recognize their need for a doctor. I came for those who recognize their need for forgiveness. And so they're related. So my question this morning, is there things that, is there sin in your life, either sin that you've done or things that you haven't done that you know that God's called you to do that is actually impeding on your ability to walk in intimacy with the Lord? Are there mountains and valleys this morning that we need to address so that you can create a highway in your heart for God to come and do what he wants to do in your life? And then secondly, and only secondly, because that's the way it has to work, is there people in your life that you feel bitterness and unforgiveness towards that you recognize as creating a hardened heart in you? And that hardened heart is affecting your relationship with God and others because those relationships are always interconnected. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, let us, throw everything, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now I know that sin, forgiveness are not popular topics in our day and age. You didn't get up this morning going to church and being like, oh, I really hope that Matt just talks about sin and the need for repentance and forgiving people that I, you know, we don't wake up wanting that. But this is the pruning that happens when we abide with God, when we abide in community, when we abide with the Holy Spirit, when we abide in his word, that, that his word prunes us and it challenges us. And we can insist on having those mountains and those valleys in our hearts. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way. But we're going to limit God's lordship and ability to transform our lives and when you're part of a faith community, a faith community, we're going to limit his ability to transform our community. And I believe that as individually we participate in repentance and forgiveness, that it has a cumulative effect in our faith community. And then we get to the point where Jesus says in Matthew 5 that we will be salt and light to a world that needs salt and light. But it starts in the human heart. So with that said... Uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna take out some trash this morning. Uh, I don't know how, how many of you guys have the uh, unfortunate duty of taking out the trash. Is that one of your household chores? You got a few men in the house that. Uh, you know, the city of Calgary made this very difficult on us these last months. Uh, I know there's some individuals, Charlie Hunter, uh, who is really pleased about the green bins and blue bins and black bins, uh, but it just messed up my whole schedule. I just, I was kind of in this rhythm, and now I have to, you know, every other week on some, and then every week on others, I still haven't figured it out yet. Uh, but the reality is that every week in some form, I need to take out trash. I need to take out recycling. I need to take out compost. And I believe in our spiritual lives that pruning and taking out the trash is not something that we do, you know, now and then. 
You know, Matt will preach on it once a year, and then we'll, you know, kind of get clean. It's actually a regular process of walking intimately with the Lord and with other people. You know, how many times with your best friend, with your spouse, with your kids, do you actually have to repent and say sorry in order for that relationship to stay healthy? <laughs> yeah. Amen. I know, in my, I know in my life, in my home, I, like there's things that I hang on to, and I can hang on to them for a day, two days, three days, uh, but eventually after three days, that relationship with Lisa, my wife, just, uh, you know, it starts to get a little cloudy. We're not quite walking in sync. And until I'm able to recognize and say, I screwed up, I got to take out that trash, that it actually cleans us up to walk uh, together. And for friendships and couples that fail to do that practice, we know that that has long-term consequences. And that's not what we want for a relationship with the Lord or with each other. And so we want to learn this rhythm, even as we talk about learning to abide, we want to learn a daily, weekly rhythm of what it means to live in repentance, what it means uh, to live in forgiveness, to take out the trash regularly. And it's difficult, but remember, in John 15, Jesus says we prune. uh, For those who are bearing fruit, God prunes them so that they can bear more fruit. It's actually a life-giving exercise. You know, you'll realize, like, this is difficult to do, but the more you do it, you say, man, there's a life that comes out of this that I didn't actually anticipate. Uh, So what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to ask my assistant, Colton, uh, to go to the other side of the stage. I uh, borrowed some trash cans from the theater. I was going to bring my own trash from home, but uh, my bins were really full because I missed recycling last week. Uh, Thanks, Angel. And uh, and so what we're going to do is I I have... uh, There's some pads of paper, some pens, and we're going to do a listening prayer exercise this morning. And uh, and Murray, I'm wondering if you can go to that next slide for me. Uh, I think it's actually two slides away. And so we're actually going to just take a second. And and, and this is not an exhaustive list, but as I was... uh, just preparing over the last couple of days, I felt like it might be helpful to throw up the type of trash that often accumulates in our lives that we need to regularly discard of. And, and so we're going to just play some background music, and I'm just going to pray and ask Jesus, if there's things in your life, if there's trash in your life um, that you need to repent of, and repent is, the word is a turning around, it's changing direction. And, and, and the reason that John, again, preached the message of repentance is because Jesus was coming and his kingdom was coming and he wanted to make sure hearts were prepared for it. So this is not about condemnation. This is, this is actually about freeing ourselves up to experience the life that God has for us. And uh, so uh, uh, let me pray. And then as you sit in prayer, I would just invite you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that you want me to discard of, to get rid of? Is there repentance that I need to do this morning? Is there unforgiveness that I need to address with others? And, uh, and then I would invite you, if you feel like the Lord is laying something on your heart, and this is the scary part of being in a faith community, uh, is to come down and just write 
whatever you feel like the Lord is telling you to get rid of on this piece of paper, and you're going to throw it in the trash. Um, it's unfortunate I'm going to get my recycling here because I, I think recycling is actually a better picture because God takes what we give him, he recycles it to something more beautiful. Um, so picture it as a recycling, that you're actually trading, you're giving God something, and he's going to actually give you something back. So Lord, is there anything I need to repent of? Is there anybody I need to forgive? Uh, maybe you want to reflect on uh, some of those things, some of that trash that I kind of named here that often invades our lives, uh, and that can help spur your, your prayer time. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it open-ended for a while, and then eventually the band is going to come up and we'll close a little bit later. Does that make sense? Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God that longs to bring life and freedom. Lord, we recognize in the pride of our own hearts that we, we often don't want to make room for you because it feels like a bit of dying to self. But Lord, your word is clear that those who try and hang on to their life will lose it. But those who lose their lives for your sake will gain life. And Jesus, we don't want to settle for any life that isn't the life you're wanting to bring us. We don't want to settle for clinging on to these, these things that are really, in the grand scheme of your kingdom, are trash. When we could trade it in for the treasure that you bring. And Lord, I thank you, as we've talked about in previous weeks, that this is about conviction, not condemnation. You are not actually naming us out of your sin. You actually have a name for us that is beyond our past, beyond what we've done. And you're inviting us to exchange that for new life. And I thank you that we're invited to be sons and daughters of God. And Lord, I pray that we would not settle for anything else. And in this prayer time, Father, we just invite you to speak through your spirit into our hearts. Lord, are there things in our hearts that we're hanging on to that you want us to discard of this morning? Are there people in our hearts, Lord, that we're holding unforgiveness and bitterness towards? Are there areas that are actually impeding our ability to walk in an intimate relationship with you and hear your voice? Would you show us those things now in these moments in Jesus' name? Pruning, it hurts, uh, but it's life-giving. I even saw some of you guys double-dipping and coming down more than once. That's awesome. Um, I, it's an ongoing refinement until we're with the Lord in glory. Uh, we live in this rhythm of pruning and repenting, uh, and we're being made ever increasingly into the likeness of Jesus as we do that. And so I just encourage you to continue to engage in that hard but life-giving practice. And, uh, and maybe something to add to it this week as, as we move forward is, is to pray and ask the Lord, what do you want to give me in exchange? We talk about recycling, right? Like, Lord, I gave you the stuff. What do you have to give me in exchange? Because God's a, a God who loves to give good gifts to his kids. 
And the reason we give him that stuff is because he has something to give us. So what does he want to give you in exchange? I would invite you to pray and ask him that. I also feel led to um, refer to James 5. In James 5, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And, and, and there might be things that you threw into that bin that you feel like you've been throwing into that bin for a very, very, very long time. Uh, and if you're someone who's kind of hung on to that in the privacy of your own life, I would encourage you, even though it's super scary, is to confess that to someone else. Because as we verbalize it, as we actually confess that to another person, it loses its power. There are sins that I've been tangled up with in my life, and it was, it was only when I began to take steps of confession that um, I experienced freedom. Uh, and so, you know, I'm going to invite the, the, our prayer teams forward uh, this morning. There's a prayer available at the front and at the back. And maybe if you don't know who to confess to, uh, you know, they're, these are a pr trained prayer team. And what you share with them is, is confidential. Uh, but sometimes we just need another person to confess to. Did you know that that's why the Roman Catholic Church, they actually have confession booths? Because it, they started that practice out of James 5. They believe that when confession happens, healing happens. And if you're looking for healing in your life, I would encourage you to maybe try the bold and courageous step of confession. And if it's not one of our prayer teams, that's totally fine. But I encourage you to find a trusted individual uh, to confess to. And if someone does confess to you, because you're a son or daughter of God, you're a follower of Jesus, you can actually speak the forgiveness of God over that person. And yeah, we can pray in our hearts and confess things and we can believe in our hearts that God forgives us, but when we take the risk of putting that to somebody else and they speak forgiveness back to us, it goes to a deeper place. I just want to uh, pray to close. God, I thank you that your pruning is gracious and gentle. Like that doctor appointment we go to or the dentist appointment we go to, we, you know, sometimes we fear it. Um, but when we, when we neglect those appointments with you, Lord, when we neglect your corrective voice, uh, it actually is destructive to our health. It's destructive to our relationship with you and our relationship to one another. And Lord, you know what's in these bins. You know the trash that we've been carrying. And Lord, we just pray that you would replace that with your grace, with your forgiveness, with your life, with your joy, with your hope, with the expectation of your coming kingdom, a kingdom that is here and not yet, and it continues to come. Lord, and I pray that we would be a community that that lives in a rhythm of repentance because that is the rhythm of life. Lord, I pray against the, the voice of shame. Whenever we step into re repentance, Lord, often it's, it's encount we encounter a voice of shame. And Lord, we know that that voice is not from you. Lord, we hear your voice like you spoke to Adam and Eve in the wilderness. Where are you hiding? And in fact, you even clothed Adam and Eve. And we just pray that you would clothe us with your, with your, with your righteousness and with your grace. And we just reject the, that shame. And we embrace the life that comes, the life in all of its fullness. 
We pray against the enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Lord, we throw at that trash. And we ask where there's been stealing that you would restore, where there's been destruction, Lord, that you would rebuild, where there's been killing in our lives, Lord, that you would revive and that we would live out that abundant life of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said. So again, there's prayer teams available. Uh, Blessings. We'll see you guys next week for the last uh, week of our Airplane Mode series.